0: You get the feeling it's nearly Christmas. Lovely Christmas tree out there, eh? You want that in your home? Won't fit. (laughs) You know, I was in Singapore at Christmas one time, and Singapore is stifling hot for someone that comes from a long system, just saying. Mightn't be for you. And it's humid, and it's hot. Did I say that? It's hot. (laughs) At one place, I showered three times in one day. I had appointment after appointment, so that was the easiest way to cope. They didn't have aircon in that house. Uh, but believe me, I did spend many waiting hours in the foyers of hotels where it was cool. But the funny thing was, even though the city was decorated like I'd never seen before, the best decorations. The song that went over and over in the malls and in the shopping centres was, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. (laughs) I'm not sure that's hope. Dream on, Singapore. Mind you, with climate change, it might come, but dream on. We've been having a great series on hope. Hope, can you remember the first week? From a stable. From small things, big things can happen. And even to this day, big things are still happening because people are finding the Lord. They're discovering that Jesus Christ is God's own beloved son and has brought them life. From Moscow to Madrid, from Beijing to Berlin, from Launceston to London, people are still finding the Lord to be their saviour. From small things, there's a big worldwide movement called God's Church. And then we had hope from a song. And I couldn't help when you're thinking of that verse, that he, God, has put a new song in my heart. I may not have song stuff coming out here, like some of you, but the song in my heart is there because he brings us to the place of worship and adoration to our Lord and today it's hope from a star couldn't help but bring the star along today hope you know I returned to Launceston after doing a stint overseas where we had winter and Christmas Christmas in winter uh, and I returned to Australia and it was a time of deep desolation for me I was physically emotionally, spiritually spent in every way. I felt finished. I felt empty. Don't you have ever felt like that? There was even a feeling of lostness. What do I do now? I was supposedly on a sabbatical and I was asked to see the doctor and maybe a counselor. I didn't know what was going to happen next in my life. It was assumed that I would go on overseas again but I was not in a good place and my hope was not very high but this I knew this I knew and I held on to that God was God and nothing had stopped my God being God and that the call for me was to have hope have faith in God whatever that meant in my time of desolation. So I just was asked to get help. I find it hard to ask for help. But I did ask for help. And very slowly, very slowly, my health improved and I came to a state of wellness. But I didn't really know what I was going to do next. And uh, slowly, slowly, God opened the way. But during that time, I asked God for a symbol, a sign, that I could have as his promise to me that he had something for me, that I wasn't finished, that it wasn't the end, and I didn't have to go on empty anymore. And uh, that's the first time I'd ever really asked God for a sign or a symbol. I'd been following him at that stage for 50 plus years, or not, I wasn't. I wasn't really quite that long, sorry. Um, But it must have been around Christmas that I asked this because I was reading the story of the wise men. And at one stage, um, I read about them, and you read about it every Christmas and sometimes even more than that. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And that's what I wanted. I wanted joy back. And when they entered the house... They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and they worshipped. And I, at that stage, asked God that the star would be his promise to me that once more my life would be filled with joy and I would learn to worship him in new and different ways. Well, I saw stars after that everywhere, not just because I had a knock on the head or anything like that, But I felt like something happened in my heart and stars just went out. But, you know, one Sunday night, I was going to Frederick Street Church of Christ as a visitor. And they had stars outside. You know how they do weird things at this church? church? You know, they do. They had stars from the footpath that went right. You followed them and it took you into the auditorium. And there was something in me that night that said, this is the God of promise. So what is hope? There's a definition here that you might like to have a look at because it's not dreaming of a white Christmas. It is not defined by what or how or why, but who. Who. Hope is Jesus. Hope is Jesus who is also called Emmanuel, God with us. Hope is Jesus walking each moment of every day, until there's a new heaven and a new earth, walking right into eternity. That's hope. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. And that's what's on offer for you from our God. Hope. Hope. So when you think of Christmas, what images do you have? I know Ben likes Christmas trees because he's got a Christmas tree out there. It's the biggest Christmas tree ever. Do you think of Christmas trees? when you have Christmas. I like Christmas trees, love them. Or do you think of food and special foods? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> food? Yes. What about family time? Yes. Okay? What about presents? Yeah. Anything you like? Come on. You like giving? Okay. No, a present. <laughs> it's all right. Presents. You know, I'm a bit funny about presents. You don't need to. I, I don't really enjoy getting presents. It seems that no one ever gives me what I really wanted. And I seem to be always disappointed. So don't try and buy me a present, right? And then, I don't know if you've thought of this one, The Christmas is about conflict. I want to talk about that tonight. Would it surprise you if Christmas is about conflict? Let's trace the story of the kings or the Magi or the wise men who were astrologers, studied the stars. They had dedicated their lives to try to read, understand the movement of the stars and the sky and the effect it had on the earth, on their lives and they gathered information, they watched. I'm sure there was a group of them that talked about it, and most of their night work was nightlife. <laughs> it was in the night, they watched the sky, and they expected the sky to talk to them. They expected the sky to be interpreted. So it was no surprise when they saw a different star. They seemed to know that something special was going to happen. When did it appear? How did they know this star was to be followed? What did following a star mean? Did they travel only at night? I just thought about that one this week. Probably camped by day and travelled by night to follow a star. Were there more than three? Was there a large entourage? Were there many people with them? How long did it take? Where did they get the gifts? Did they talk among the astrologers and say, come on, let's take up an offering. We need to take the gift. I don't know the answers to those questions. But let me just say, I wonder. I've got an incredible imagination at times and I try and put myself there and think, what's going on? What's going on? But they saw the star and they decided to follow it. This is faith journeying towards hope. You got that? Faith journeying towards hope towards hope, the life of hope, living in hope, by faith, journeying to hope. If you don't take anything away tonight, that's what I want you to know. They've been given something, and by faith, they follow it. You got that? Of course you have. You're intelligent. Well, their first stop recorded, I'm sure they had other stops, was what I'm calling the place of logic. Of course, you go, if you're expecting a king, if you're expecting something spectacular, you go to a palace. So they went to Jerusalem, palace, temple, I mean a palace, a king, fitting place to find a king. They didn't know at that moment that they triggered off the greatest conflict to enter this world. The kingdom of light had come into our world into the kingdom of darkness, a little baby. But they didn't know that. But Herod certainly knew that there was a conflict here. There was a revolt against his kingdom. He didn't know where this king was. He didn't know what it was all about. And so he, King Herod, a ruthless, irresponsible, uh, illegitimate man who called himself the king of the Jews, and there's a really good story behind that, but I can't go into that. Just to say that he was a descendant of Esau and Jesus was a descendant of Jacob. That's enough to get the conflict going, eh? But it's a conflict now because Herod wants power. So he very politely listens, but it says he was troubled and everyone that knew him was troubled because he was cruel. He was a murderer. He was an illegitimate, ruthless king. And so he was polite, but then he went. Now, he knew where to go to get the correct information. You go to the religious leaders, of course. But let me say this the religious leaders were intimidated by King Herod. And possibly most of their comings and goings would have been, and their sayings would have been to please the king. But they did do their work and they found a verse in Micah that said that there was going to be a king that came from Bethlehem and that he would be born there and he would be a shepherd. How different. But he would be a ruler. Well, it seems like King Herod couldn't take them at this word because he knew that if they dared to disagree with him that they wouldn't have a life worth living. living. So he asked the Magi, and said, Excuse me, but can you tell me what's happening here? They said, we don't know, we're just following a star. And so Herod says, when you get to where you're getting, come back, tell me, and I'll go and worship him. What a ruthless liar, eh? But he checked out fake news or the truth, and he still didn't know. He actually was told the truth, and the Magi didn't know. So the second step they go, after logic didn't work, they didn't find him in the capital city, at a palace, they followed the star. And look at this quote. I love this quote. The second stop following the star. Meanwhile, God had smuggled his son in through the back door without fanfare. You like that? So all this stuff going on over here, and God just smuggles in the son in the back door without fanfare. I like that quote. So the Wise men followed the star, took them to Bethlehem, not to a manger, but to a home where Jesus is now a child. They come bearing gifts. They come ready to worship. They read the star, follow it, and it led them to a king, a child, a toddler. Not yet, two years old. Having done what they needed to do, they left. But now it seems that they are much more aware of the supernatural than they were before. Before it was the sky, the host of heavens, we call that. But now God himself speaks to them through a dream, and they obey. They're obedient. So they don't go back to Herod. They just go off. So when you look at the Christmas story this year and you look at people, look behind the scenes where God is at work. He works. He works. He's at work. We read, sang a song about that. But you've got to look for him because I believe God surprises us in the secret places, in the unknown places, in the little places, and sometimes in the spectacular. What can we learn from this story? Well, we can learn from the wise men that they didn't belong to God's special people. They were not the ones who were called or chosen by God. They were, according to God's people, outsiders, just like you and I, but they followed the truth. They act like they knew what God was doing, even when others who should have known didn't act. You got that? They were obedient. They followed while the others didn't. They show up in the wrong place, awakening a jealous rage from a crazed ruler called the King of the Jews. They give prepared gifts to a complete stranger, and they don't even check out his identity. A child. And then they went straight home because of a dream, and they never, ever returned, as far as we know, to check out their investment. They were obedient to what they knew about God. They were given a promise from a star and they followed it. It led them to a place of joy and worship. And they did the right thing. Learn from the wise men. What can I learn from hope here? This is where I need you for the rest of my message. This is going to get messy because hope sometimes is very messy. The journey of faith is very messy. So you're up for it, you're up to it. Now, I know we've got two sides here. I know we've got two sides, but we're going to merge into one. And for the rest of my message tonight, I need all of this side to go over to this side. Okay? Thank you very much. I need you to do that. Just so that you can be the message for tonight. Because I want to talk about hope. Hope and the journey of faith towards hope. People this side, please welcome them. There's plenty of room. If not, just sit on someone's knee. There's plenty of room down here. And if there's not quite room, you can just squeeze in close. Oh, this is, yeah, look, we love each other now. Thank you. I want to explain, if I can, through you what the journey of faith to hope and in hope looks like. You got it? So you're sitting there tonight. Hello, everyone. You're sitting there. You're very good. Thank you so much for cooperating. This was the sense of will this work or not. But you're sitting there tonight, and I want you to take a check on your reality That means, who am I, where am I, what's going on in my life now? I know at least one person is anticipating a wedding. I know that some have just finished school and they don't know what. I know that holidays are looming and you might get Christmas presents and get disappointed. But some of you don't even know what is going to unfold into the future your reality. Some of you are hurting. Some of you are wondering if this is all true, whether God really does speak through dreams or people or the word of God. Can he really love me? I remember that was my very first major uh, Christian crisis. How could God love and accept someone like me? You know, I used to sit where you're sitting. We had hymns in those days with words in the hymn book. And I used to sing, there'd be a song, for instance, Jesus Loves Me, and I'd sit there and say, Jesus loves them. I don't know if Jesus loves me. That was my reality. That was my truth. That was my doubt. That was where I asked, how could God possibly want someone like me to be his beloved child, even though I had given my life to him And even though I had been baptised, I still had incredible doubts about whether God could be really for me. You got that? What I learned and what I've been learning is that God's love wants the best for you. Now let that go right down deep. God loves me enough to want the best for me. Now, we actually believe or think that our parents want the best for us. And I believe that's true. But they don't know you as well as God. Did you hear that? Yes. They don't get you as well as God gets you. Yeah, very good. They, uh, God can get inside your heart and head. And your parents do want the best. And the parents do want to pray. For, they do pray for you, for some of you that have Christian parents. And it's true, but God sees beyond all that. He looks into the doubt. He looks into the me. He looks into the insignificance. He looks into the pride. He looks into the arrogance. He looks into the dreams. He looks into the aspirations. You got it? God wants the best for you. So some of you have given your life to the Lord. Some of you have been baptized. Some of you don't even know if you If there is a God for you or not, get this again, what is it? The love of God wants the best for you today and every day of your life. Whether you are five or six, I think there's someone who's about five here, or whether you're as old as this old lady up here, okay? Anyone in between, he wants the best for you, got it? So that's your reality. You're giving yourself a reality check, you know where you are, know who you are you know how you are now over there is hope one day we are going to live with Jesus forever and ever in a new creation of heaven and earth but hope is more than something in the future Jesus hope is Jesus right now okay? But the journey of hope is by faith. And so by faith, we're invited to take one step at a time every day of our life, every week, every month, every year, every decade. You got it? If you don't do that, you stagnate. I've met Christians who tell me they've been Christians for 30, 40, 50 years, and I look at them and think, I know a thirteen-year-old who's more obedient to Jesus than you. Okay? Don't be like that. You want to grow? You want to move with God? You want to become more and more like Jesus? It's a faith journey. You have the hope if you're in Jesus. If Jesus has given your life if you have given your life to Jesus and Jesus lives in you. Reality check, just check that first. The rest is a call to faith one step at a time from your reality to truth, to hope. But the good news is hope is just not the future. Hope is here and now because Jesus is here and now. But here and now is not where you stay. So I want to pray for you as we go on this journey, step by step over there, There's a star to take away. You don't wear it, it's all right. I just was doing Christmas decorations and I found this one with a little peg and I thought, I'll bring it tonight. There's a star to remind you of the story of faith that the wise men went on. The journey of faith from the east to a place of joy and worship. And that can happen every day of your life. But Jesus wants the best for you. And by faith, in hope, you journey towards hope. You got it? So I want you to think about what is one step I can take tonight that actually leads me further on in my faith journey. You got that? One little step, that's all that's needed. It might be an apology. It might be a prayer. It might be confessing something to Jesus, it might be sharing your life, your, your story, your faith story with someone. Don't leave tonight without obedience to one more step. And then tomorrow, one more step. Remember, little step by little step. You do not become the future through dreaming and singing songs. Come through that moment-by-moment obedience. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you that in our reality, you enter our world again and again and again, not just at Christmas as a baby, but every day as Lord and Savior, as the one who died for us, the one who has given us life so that we may live with joy and with worship with wellness and wholeness so that we can be everything that God wants us to be. Thank you that your love wants the best for us all the time. And so, Lord, my prayer is that as each one sits here and moves over to communion and to take up a star, star, that they will remember that you are our hope and in you we put our trust. Communion is a time when usually we remember back to what Jesus has made possible for us to be here tonight and to do this reality check. But as we go over there tonight to get a little cup and a little biscuit, believe me, there's nothing very nutritious or even tasty in what you're gonna have over there. <laughs> Due to COVID, it's all prepackaged. But the memory and what it holds and the symbolism is powerful. It's powerful. So taste and see that Lord is good and live in hope. Have communion tonight in anticipation of the God of hope being with you forever. So let's all stand. Now, if you don't want communion, just go to your place, but walk over there, at least get a star. Even if you don't want communion, get a star. There's plenty over there, and then come back to your own seats.